You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. And I want to start by, by thanking the heroic service of the men and women who, who serve alongside you. Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week. Uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. We are grateful for that courage. We appreciate uh, the selfless sacrifice uh, of the men and women who, who keep us safe. And, and I will say, my view is that anyone who commits an act of violence should be prosecuted. And anyone who assaults a law enforcement officer should go to jail for a very long time. And I think that's a principle that is true regardless of the politics of the violent criminal, whether they are right wing, left wing, or they got no wings at all. If you assault a cop, you ought to go to jail for a long, long time. Uh, and I hope we get some agreement that that should be true regardless of the political context uh, that ostensibly and purportedly justifies that violence, that, that we will stand with the men and women of blue. So I thank you for your service. I thank, thank the men and women who serve with you for their service. Thank you. As we reflect on what happened a year ago, uh, it is also worth asking, as, as we have, as this committee has, as Congress has, as I know you have, uh, what could have been done differently? What could have prevented the breach of the Capitol? What could have prevented uh, the, the riot getting as far as it did? Uh, and, and, and so let me just start with, with, with that question. With the benefit of hindsight, uh, what could have been done to better secure the Capitol uh, to stop the riot outside and prevent them from, from penetrating as far as they did. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. That is Senator Ted Cruz from Texas during a Senate hearing on Wednesday of this past week talking about a year ago the January 6th events. I don't say protest, I don't say riots. Just what happened on January 6th of 2021. I want to talk about his remarks here and the flack he's getting for those remarks. But first of all, just a little bit of an update on our new year. It's very typical for New Year's resolutions to include getting in shape, getting a gym membership. That's why a lot of times, beginning of a new year, gyms, rec centers, what have you, will offer a special discount because they're trying to help people that are kind of on the fence get that last little bit over into pulling the trigger, making a decision to join. But especially as you get older, as your body's metabolism slows down, but maybe your wherewithal to acquire food, acquire the food that you like, that you want, increases, you may find that your waistline 
expands. You stop growing taller, you start growing a little wider, and you stop being quite so flexible, quite so fit. And certainly with my new job, doing systems integration, a week on, a week off, 12-hour shifts, seven days straight, then off for seven days, there's a real potential for me to get fat <laughs> and out of shape, uh, even worse than I am. Because I, I wouldn't say I am terribly overweight, but I'm not in as good a shape as I could be. I need to be working out regularly. And honestly, it isn't so much a image thing where I want to look a certain way first and foremost, but I want to be in good health and I want to communicate that I'm in good health to the people around me. There is something about that that is meaningful, it's important, it's wise to communicate good health. What we communicate non-verbally does influence the kinds of interactions that we get from the people around us. And you can go too far, some people do. I used to be a personal fitness instructor. Some people get just obsessed with the gym and you wonder to yourself, for what? To what purpose? To what end? Do you ever do any work with those muscles and that strength and that endurance you're developing? Or is it just a pastime? But the other end of the spectrum is where more of us are at. There are probably more of us who don't get active, especially in the modern day. We don't get active as much as we should. And so I'm starting to get warmed up. I'm starting, especially as I'm working from home more, as my training is more and more complete to where I can work remote for the most part. I'm starting to get back into working with my free weights again. And with this Oculus Quest 2 that we just bought, I'm still a little bit wary, a little bit skeptical of some of the things that are advertised with the metaverse. But I will say this, some of the games, uh, the boxing, Thrill of the Fight, for, for, for one example, that's one game that I picked up on a discount the week of Christmas. Thrill of the Fight, uh, just three rounds with an AI opponent. I was sweating, I was breathing heavy, and I was sore for the next couple of days. Uh, which tells me a couple of things. It tells me, one, that I am out of shape. Uh, for two, it also tells me that there is some real potential there with this VR thing to get physically active, to get fit, uh, without having to go across town if I don't have the time for that. If I have 15 minutes, but I can jump on and go three rounds with an AI opponent or climb a mountain, as it were, it may not be quite as strenuous as the real activity would be, but it'll at least get me moving a little bit. And I think that's important. I need to get to the point where the VR thing uh, doesn't have me breathing heavy and sore for a couple of days. And besides that, too, I think we're going to sign up for the Greeley Rec Center as a family I think that'll be good for our family, not just for Lauren and I. Lauren, once she has Andrew, any day now. But 
I think it'll be good for Lauren and I. It'll be good for our kids. It'll be good for our relationship with each other, with our kids, our kids' relationships with one another, for us to have that be part of our routine. That was definitely a part of my teenage years, uh, YMCA membership, Highland County YMCA, Highland County Family YMCA, I should say. Uh, That's where I was a personal fitness instructor. That's also where we went on a pretty regular basis to walk the track, run, use the free weights, use the Nautilus machines, swim, shoot hoops. It's just a really good thing to have something like that in your routine because it it's part of being a healthy person. It's part of actually having a healthy mind, I would say too. You know, when your body is a huge distraction because it just it feels sore and achy all the time and your energy level isn't as high as you would like it to be. That affects also your ability to concentrate. And so in order to keep my mind sharp while I'm doing this new job, learning this new job and doing this new job, in order for my kids to keep their minds sharp as they're trying to read and study and grow and all of that, as long, it, while my wife is trying to homeschool, these children, all of these children, help them navigate, help me help herself with a sewing business and with... All of it, all all of the things that we do to keep our minds sharp, we've got to take care of our bodies as well and invest the time that we have, invest the bodies that we have, be good stewards of them. But alas, enough about that. Getting back to the clip that I played for you at the top of the hour, Ted Cruz has for many years been one of the few people in politics in this country who I respect and admire. And that doesn't mean that I trust him completely, implicitly, totally. It doesn't mean that I agree with him all the time. Uh, Same holds true for Rand Paul. Some of Rand Paul's positions on things or some of the ways that he communicates certain things, I would respectfully disagree. But great deal of respect for Rand Paul and I do think he is doing good. I think he is doing a lot of good in the Senate. Ted Cruz at a hearing on Wednesday to discuss January 6th, 2021. What happened in D.C.? What happened at the Capitol building? Characterized the storming of the Capitol building by some protesters, a small number of protesters, as terrorism. Now, I've seen a lot of footage from that day, and there are clips of protesters violently assaulting Capitol Police officers. And you feel bad for the Capitol Police officer who is just there, that they're doing their job, they showed up for work, they didn't sign up for this, and what are they going to do? Some of the Capitol Police officers, you can clearly see, and this got scrubbed from the internet, it was being taken down left and right from social media sites. Anybody who says differently either didn't see that stuff because they don't pay that close of attention, uh, or 
they're gaslighting the rest of us. But those of us who were paying attention clearly saw Capitol Police officers motioning protesters into the building. Not only was security lax, but some of the security personnel and some of the protesters, or supposed protesters, I am convinced were basically undercover agents. Basically, it was a false flag event designed to change the momentum of January 2021, designed to turn the country against Donald Trump and Republicans. When to that point, from the 2020 elections to that point, to that day, the majority of Americans had a lot of questions for Democrats and a lot of questions for election officials across the country. Irregularities is the nicest way you can describe what were a lot of very odd, very suspicious reports and happenings and facts surrounding the 2020 election. And those irregularities provoked a great deal of ire and anger and distrust and frustration and even in some cases, rage among Americans who were just sure that the election was going to go a different way. But along the way of people being angry and having questions and showing up to Washington, D.C., I would say the vast majority of the folks who showed up in Washington, D.C. were there to peacefully protest, to peacefully assemble, and petition their government for a redress of grievances. That is a constitutional right in this country. That is also a God-given right. The people who occupy these halls of power are there to act as our representatives. They're there, according to Romans 13 in the New Testament, as ministers of God to reward those who do good, to punish those who do evil. In recent years, we've been seeing a whole lot of just the opposite. We've been seeing a lot of people doing good, being punished as thanks. And we've seen a lot of people doing evil, being rewarded, being affirmed, being celebrated. And the majority of Americans are very, very frustrated, very discouraged, very angry even. The majority of working Americans aren't going to take time off to go to Washington, D.C., because they have jobs, because they're working. You had BLM and Antifa riots. Those were consistently riots. Not to say that every BLM event was violent or destructive, but the theme of the Black Lives Matter movement demonstrations over the past several years, not just the past year, last year, but over the past several years, was riotous. And isn't it interesting? Do you notice how we don't have these Black Lives Matter riots happening 
or at least I'm not hearing about them, in 2021 and 2022, like we were in 2020. Isn't that odd? It seems as though they really kicked into a whole other gear during the election. And then, like clockwork, Biden gets in office and we stop seeing those riots. We start seeing it get under control. And the Democrats would want you to believe, well, yes, that's because Joe Biden is turning things around. We haven't had the same police brutality because Biden's Department of Justice is making sure that we're not murdering innocent black men whose only crime is assaulting police officers, being burglars, being violent defenders, sexually assaulting their girlfriends and trying to steal their girlfriend's cars and kidnap her children in the process, resisting arrest, obstructing a police officer. It's remarkable to me how much of a double standard there is. There was one death among protesters on January 6th, 2021. And it was a woman, and it was a veteran, and she's in the hallway there. And I've watched the footage of that too, and it's very disturbing. It's very upsetting. But she's in the hallway there, and they're trying to get through a door, and you've got Capitol Police on the other side. And one of the Capitol Police officers fires seemingly indiscriminately through that door, and the woman is killed. And it doesn't appear as though she is doing some violent, threatening thing on the other end of that door. If she had had a gun or a deadly weapon or been brandishing something, that would be one thing. But she's on the other end of that door, and then she's dead. And if she had been a young black man, there would be still more riots. There would have been a lot of riots, coast to coast, through the past year. We all know that. But yet, Democrats couldn't bring themselves to call what Black Lives Matter at Antifa were doing all through 2020 and before that, riots. They kept calling them protests. And they kept trying to imply, at best, directly accuse, at worst, and more often, Republicans. If Republicans called what Black Lives Matter and Antifa did, terrorism, burning cop cars, you set fire to a police precinct, you set fire to a target, you assault and murder police officers to accomplish political ends, to spread fear in the populace, well, that is terrorism. All violence is not terrorism. If my boys are downstairs and they both want to turn on the Oculus Quest and there gets to be some disagreement as to who's been playing all day and whose chores are done and whose turn is it now and how long should they get If all of a sudden they turn to a physical confrontation with each other, a punch is thrown, someone gets shoved, that's not terrorism, ladies and gentlemen. And Senator Ted Cruz. And Senator Ted Cruz knows that. 
He knows that. He knows better. For him to call January 6th an act of terrorism is absurd. I think, too, it bears asking, and the question needs to be answered. Why do you have what appear to be and what a lot of folks in the crowd leading up to the Capitol building being entered, being desecrated, so, so-called supposedly desecrated by the people? You have what appear to be what the crowd certainly thought were federal agents planted in the crowd trying to agitate, trying to stir up, trying to steer things in that direction. And quite frankly, our undercover alphabet soup agencies have for decades perfected the art of going into a population of some foreign country where we want regime change and provoking, stirring up, organizing, community organizing, agitating an uprising, a coup. And then it just so happens that there's somebody waiting in the wings who's supposed to swoop in. Let's stir up the... uh, wildebeest like this is the lion king you know that <laughs> you could say oh yeah mufasa in the lion king he's killed by wildebeest it's a tragic accident if all you see is the wildebeest there's a stampede in the gorge simba's down there but really it's the hyenas at the beck and call of Scar, who get the wildebeest going down the gorge. It's Scar who has led Simba into the place of danger, into the path of danger, and told him to stay there so that he can send his brother Mufasa down into the midst of this stampede to save his son, to save his son and heir. Scar wants to get rid of two birds with one stone. He wants to kill his brother, and he wants to kill his nephew because both stand between Scar and being king of Pride Rock. It isn't the wildebeest who kill Mufasa. It isn't even really the hyenas, first and foremost. At the end of the day, it's Scar who kills Mufasa. He uses the hyenas. He uses the wildebeest. He uses the distraction of Mufasa's ambition to save his son. You have federal agents in the crowds in Washington, D.C., trying to agitate, trying to stir up the wildebeest, like so many hyenas, trying to stir up the wildebeest to stampede in the gorge. You have United States senators giving speeches, talking about, irregularities with the 2020 election, how they're not so sure we should certify these. This is not above board. And then, very conveniently, even better than disrupting all of that with a Black Lives Matter or an Antifa riot, let's disrupt it with a riot of Trump supporters so that we get all the benefits and none of the downside. 
We'll get all the benefits, but Trump actually will lose on two fronts. On the one front, we'll be able to strip him of all support from Republicans and conservatives in Congress when it comes to challenging the results of the election because they're dubious, because they stink to high heavens, because this is not standard order. The whole year of 2020 was a coup. It was an attempted coup, and it succeeded. Sometimes coups do succeed, and the coup that the Democrats attempted in 2020 did succeed. Only it wasn't Trump they were overthrowing. It was the majority of Americans. So then, not only do you strip Trump of all support, but then, too, you go after and pick off one by one all of the Republicans who hang in there who say, you know, actually, this is some craziness. And you pick them off one by one by one by one. Suggest that they should be removed from office. Suggest that they should lose their license to practice law. They should have their degrees from universities revoked. They should have all sponsorship from corporations and private donors taken away. Let's dox the folks that are donating to their campaigns for re-election. Destroy them. Destroy all political opposition. That ain't America. That is not America. That's a coup against what used to be America. The story of Wednesday past and Senator Ted Cruz characterizing January 6th as a terrorist attack is not over. But before I tell you what I think of why he said what he said and what we should do with his having made these comments, I want to play a clip of Tucker Carlson inviting Ted Cruz on his show to explain himself. Take a listen. Every conservative appreciates Ted Cruz because he's one of the smartest and most articulate people in the Congress, and he's conservative. But he referred publicly to what happened on January 6th as, quote, a violent terror attack. Here it is. Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. Senator Cruz was game enough to come on tonight. We appreciate that. He joins us now. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. So I guess what I, I mean, there are a lot of dumb people in the Congress. You're not one of them. I think you're smarter than I am. Uh, and you never use words carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose, and I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And, I don't and buy that. Result, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word, you repeated that phrase. I do not believe that you used that accidentally. I just don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what, what I meant to say. 
What I was referring to are, are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. Now, I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times, I've drawn a distinction. I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what a lot of people have misunderstood well, that well, comment. Wait a I was second, focused, but even you, yeah. wait, but hold on. What you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. We have said that for years. But that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism on January so listen, 6th? Like, why'd you not, use that word? You're playing but, into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants. And you know that. So why'd you do it? So, so Tucker, let me answer you directly. The, the reason I use that word for a decade, I have referred to people who violently assault police officers as terrorists. I've done so over and over and over again. If you look at all the assaults we've seen across the country, I've called that terrorism over and over again. That being said, Tucker, I agree with you. It was a mistake to say that yesterday. And the reason is what you just said which is we've now had a year of Democrats in the media twisting words and trying to say that all of us are terrorists, trying to say you're a terrorist, I'm a terrorist. And so, look, I don't like people who, who assault cops and, and, and I well, stand up and defend cops. And, and the reason I use that word is that's the word I've always used for people that violently attack cops. But in this context, I get why people were angry because we've had a year of the corrupt corporate media and Democrats claiming anyone who, who objected to, to the election fraud. And by the way, remember what was happening during wait, wait, those wait, wait, protests? Wait, can, can I just ask, hold on, you work in the I just, I guess I just don't believe you. And I mean that with respect because I have such respect for your acuity and your precision. And I've seen it on display. I've covered you as a reporter. I know how you speak. And you have sat there for a year and watched people use language to distort the events of that day. Intentionally. Insurrection. Coup. And, and it, of course it terrorism. was insurrection. Exactly. Exactly. And there's another three minutes or so, three minutes and a few seconds to that clip that I just played for you from Tucker Carlson's Twitter he posted it up, but you get the idea, right? And kudos to Tucker Carlson for calling Ted Cruz out on this. That needs to happen, not because we don't respect Ted Cruz, but because we do respect and we, you got some explaining to do, but no, that's exactly right. And Ted Cruz, <clears throat> he knows that. He knows that, and he admits as much right there. And then, yeah, it was sloppy of me. Yeah, that was not the way I should have put things. It was feeding into the narrative. You're right. But I always call any violence towards police officers terrorism. Uh, do you? It'd be interesting if you could um, provide some dates and times and places where you did so. Black Lives Matter, it's a little bit of a different story. A little bit. I mean, think of this. You've got so-called flyover country, USA, being inundated for years on end 
with accusations that if you vote Republican, if you are a Republican, if you are conservative, if you you oppose the Democrat progressive globalist agenda in any way, if you disagree with it, if you disagree with it strongly, meaningfully, if you oppose it in your local community, in your state, in your neighborhood, you are a white supremacist. You are a racist. It's in your DNA, Barack Obama said. You're a bitter clinger to your guns and your religion, guns and your Bibles. And then we're called terrorists if we oppose infringements on our Second Amendment rights, if we insist on maintaining our First Amendment rights to free speech, to religion. We're called terrorists if we just don't vote for Democrats and if we disagree with them strongly. We're called terrorists if we show up to a school board meeting where our children are being presented with pornography and stripped of all gendered pronouns and required authoritarian style to affirm gender theory and critical race theory. The FBI put parents on terrorist watch lists for, for that. And the majority of people that showed up in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, 2021 to protest the 2020 election did so not because they were trying to overturn rightful authority, not because they were trying to overthrow the government, because they perceive that their government is being overthrown by Democrats, by Democrat officials, by Democrat politicians, by, if you'll forgive me for using the phrase, the deep state, You have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans who are very, very concerned that what happened in 2020 was nothing less than a coup. COVID being released, gain-of-function research being funded, promoted, assisted by Fauci's NIH, in China, in the Wuhan lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, then released on the world in an election year, the world being locked down for a less than 1% mortality rate, BLM riots, images of our cities burning coast to coast here in America. A lot of conservative people said, enough, not on my watch. I'm going to go to the Capitol of my country, to my capital, and I'm going to make my voice heard. And then when they get there, they get Antifa infiltrating the crowd, trying to cause violence, trying to vandalize so as to portray the Make America Great Again crowd as riotous, as violent, as insurrectionist, as seditious. You have undercover agents trying to stir the crowd up to storm the Capitol building so that you can get the images, so that you can get the video clips, so that you can get the audio, so that you can get the narrative, more to the point. That's the important thing for these folks pulling the strings. They want that narrative. They need the narrative to shift dramatically so that they can give themselves a blank check to go after their political opponents, to consolidate power. It's a burning of the Reichstag. We're going to create this moment, and then we're going to seize that moment. This is not 
the first time this has happened, John F. Kennedy turned down proposals from our alphabet soup agencies back during the Cold War to carry out false flag attacks across the country and try to pin them on Russia and Cuba so as to create a mandate to go into Cuba and take out Castro's regime. And you could say there's all kinds of reasons that we didn't want the Soviet Union having a satellite, having a communist colony right off our coast, putting missiles, nuclear missiles in Cuba to threaten us. You can say there were all sorts of reasons why we would have wanted to go in and take out Castro. I absolutely agree. But carrying out fake terrorist attacks so you can gin up a casus belli against Cuba among the American people, that's dirty. Ginning up an insurrection on the part of Trump supporters, Republicans, so you can gin up a casus belli against flyover country against make America great again against Donald Trump and Republicans. That's even dirtier. There are seven things the Lord hates and that course of action hits several items on the short list of things that God hates. But you have here, I think in part on the part of Cruz, a loss of heart I think in part you have Ted Cruz waffling. As principled as he is, he plays Peter a little bit. And I don't mean that Donald Trump is Jesus, and I don't mean that the American people and conservatives and flyover country are Jesus. But you have that same mechanic of the mood of the moment being to crucify everything you stand for, everything you've stood for for years. And now somebody points you out and says, you were with him. Weren't you one of his disciples? Yeah, no, I I remember seeing you with him. Every time he showed up in public to teach, to heal, you are one of his disciples. And Peter, because he's afraid, denies Christ three times and even curses at a young girl because he's so desperate to distance himself from his friend, his savior, his Lord, who is on his way to execution. That same mechanic is there for all of us. We are all susceptible to fear, cowardice, moments of weakness. I think that's what Ted Cruz displayed on Wednesday. No, no, no. Terrorists should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But to Tucker Carlson's point, okay, let's call your bluff there. You didn't really expect to get cross-examined on this on the front end, apparently. But you need to. Let's put some steel back in your spine. Or let's figure out whose side you're on. Who has been charged? Who sitting in solitary confinement, beaten, deprived, indefinitely detained without charges being brought for their being present January 6th, who has been charged with terrorism? Anybody? Any of the folks? Where are their 
court cases? Where are there prosecutions? Where are there convictions? Terrorism? Who's been convicted of terrorism? Insurrection? None of them have been charged with insurrection, interestingly enough. They have been charged, I believe, as I understand it, with obstructing Congress as Congress is in session. That's a crime. You can't obstruct Congress. Well, that's quite different, though. That's, that's a very different charge. You interrupted our proceedings. We had to take a break and come back to finish up. Well, it doesn't mean they should be executed, does it? That doesn't mean that they're terrorists, does it? They made you afraid, senators, congressmen. But that doesn't mean that their goal was to use terror in the general populace to promote and further their political ends. That's just not what that means. I think the other piece here, too, and we all can run this risk. I think Ted Cruz, just like Tucker Carlson said, he's very, very smart. He's very intentional. I think he slipped up here. And what he was really trying to do is he was trying to point out the hypocrisy of Democrats where Black Lives Matter and Antifa violence, destruction, looting, lawlessness is concerned. You guys are going to have January 6th hearings. Where are your hearings to talk about defund the police and Black Lives Matter and I can't breathe and say his name movements? Where are your hearings for that? Where's your sober, melodramatic likening to Pearl Harbor? If you want to throw the book at the January 6th crowd, are you similarly prepared to throw the book at every man Jack who participated in Black Lives Matter and Antifa violence against law enforcement? Oh, interesting. I think it's a let he who is without sin cast the first stone sort of attempted rhetorical exercise that Ted Cruz was going for mixed with losing heart, denying the Make America Great Again movement three times. But it was sloppy. And I think it can be hard for us to believe sometimes that somebody we respect, somebody we like, somebody who's very sharp, who's very intentional, who we're putting a lot of hope in, will execute perfectly all the time, 100%. I think we can accept that Ted Cruz made a mistake here and also explain that mistake with fear, with a bit of hedging of the bets. He's a politician after all. He's a lawyer. He's a very good lawyer. He almost made it to the Supreme Court, as Carlson points out. He's a United States senator. He knows how to play games with language. He knows how to stay alive and operate. No temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man. But I think those two things can be true at the same time. And also, it's very important for us all to respond with something better than cancel culture. 
You know, if it turns out that consistently moving forward, Cruz is just an absolute traitor, well then, we need better representation. Goodbye. Et tu, Brute. But if it is a slip up, if it's an accident, if it's a mistake, because he was trying to be too clever by half, because he was trying to save his own skin there, even at our expense, maybe we should be glad that he did not win in 2016 when he ran for president. I think this is why people voted for Trump and did not vote for Cruz. I voted for Cruz in the primaries, but maybe this is why, because he is a little too clever by half. He tells people what they want to hear. In this case, what Democrats wanted to hear was January 6th was a terrorist attack. So he gave them that. And now they're going to make hay with it. And the consequence is we don't trust you like we did before, Senator Cruz. You're going to have to earn some trust back. If that's how it's going to be moving forward, we need better representation. You might just find yourself fired. I got to leave it there, though. Whatever comes in this next year, I think it's important for us to maintain our equilibrium. We need to be focused on loving our families, doing our jobs well, honoring the good Lord, studying his word, meditating on what is true, what is good, what is praiseworthy, being wise as serpents, harmless as doves, definitely. But do take care of your body. Do cultivate your mind. Do invest in relationships. Do follow the Lord and put your trust in him, not in princes. Let's give some grace by God's grace, because God has extended grace to us. Let's not be the cancel culture people, but let us do be good stewards of what we've got. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.